Welcome to Line C, Use Mathematics and Science by Camosun College, used under CC BY. The Trades Access Common Core resources are licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution 4.0. The materials in these learning guides are for use by students and instructional staff and have been compiled from sources believed to be reliable and to represent best current knowledge on these subjects. These audio resources are intended to serve as a starting point for good practices and may not specify all minimum legal standards. No warranty, guarantee, or representation is made by the BC Piping Trades Articulation Committee, the Skilled Trades BC Training Authority, BC Campus, or King's Printer of British Columbia as to the accuracy or sufficiency of the information contained in these publications. These audio resources are intended to provide basic guidelines for piping trades practices. Do not assume, therefore, that all necessary warnings and safety precautionary measures are contained in this publication and that other or additional measures may not be required. To learn more about BC Campus Open Education, visit www.openbccampus.ca. Use Mathematics and Science, Section 11, Define the Properties of Matter. Describe the Structure of Matter. Matter is generally defined as anything that occupies space and has a measurable weight or mass. You can think of matter as all the materials or substances existing on Earth. All matter is composed of sub-microscopic particles. When combined with one another, these particles assume one of the two different forms. Either they are pure substances or they are mixtures. Pure substances. Pure substances are a form of matter containing only one type of particle. The particles in pure substances are made of either unique elements or molecules that are present in definite proportions. Elements. Elements are unique in that they cannot be broken down or decomposed into other materials by ordinary means. For example, Pure gold possesses only gold particles. Gold is an example of an element. The smallest particle of an element is called an atom. There are, at present, 118 confirmed elements, including hydrogen, oxygen, carbon, copper, lead, silver, and gold. Molecules. Atoms of elements can unite to form more complex structures called molecules. Molecules are made up of atoms configured in definite proportions of the same element or of two or more different elements. When two or more different elements are present in a molecule, it is classified as a compound. When two or more pure substances are combined without a chemical change, the resulting product is known as a mixture. Thousands of substances can be produced by chemically or physically combining different proportions of the 118 basic elements. For example, two atoms of the element hydrogen can combine with a single element of oxygen to produce water. Or atoms of oxygen and hydrogen can combine with atoms of iron and produce ferric hydroxide, common rust. Aside from some of the elements that can exist in atom form, for example helium, most matter is composed of molecules that contain two or more elemental atoms. This means that although the number of different atoms is limited, the number of different molecules is almost infinite. 
The arrangement and structure of the molecules in a substance are unique and determine its characteristics of that material. For example, iron is harder than copper because of differences in the arrangement and structure of their molecules. Similarly, the color of gold is determined by its molecular structure. The choice of the tools used to work a material depends on the molecular makeup of both the tool and the material. For example, if a tool designed for use on wood is used on black iron, it will quickly become dull. Conversely, a hacksaw blade that is designed to cut metal is inappropriate for cutting wood. Because wood is softer than metal, a hacksaw blade will easily become clogged with fibers, limiting its effectiveness. When a hacksaw is used to cut metal, metal filings fall off the blade, making it more effective. Compounds A compound is a product of two or more elements that chemically unite to create a pure substance. The elements in a compound are always present in definite proportions. For example, the ratio of sodium to chlorine masses in a sodium chloride molecule, or table salt, is always 0.65 to 1. If there is extra sodium or chlorine available when table salt is being created, the extra atoms will not unite. There are many examples of compounds. Water is a compound of hydrogen and oxygen. Sugar and alcohol are both compounds of carbon. Hydrogen and oxygen, although the number and arrangement of the atoms in the sugar and alcohol molecules are different. Molecules of compounds have all the properties of the compound and can be considered the smallest unit of material. Mixtures. A mixture is the product of two or more elements or compounds combined, with the resulting material having molecules that retain their original properties. Unlike the components of a compound, a mixture can be formed using varying proportions of each ingredient. For example, concrete is a mixture of cement, water, and aggregate. The proportion of cement, water, and rock can vary, but the mixture will still be concrete. However, the physical characteristics of the concrete will be determined by the ratio of the ingredients. Alloys are mixtures of metal with other metals or nonmetals. Like concrete, the final properties of the alloy mixture depend on the proportion of its constituent parts. Brass, for example, is essentially a mixture of copper and zinc. However, the proportion of copper and zinc varies widely. If you wish to produce a bronze-colored alloy, use 90% copper and 10% zinc. To produce silvery white metal, use a mixture of 55% copper and 45% zinc. Brass is produced in about a dozen formulations each with its own distinct characteristics, yet all are brass. There are numerous examples of alloys used in the trades. Babbitt is used in bearings, stainless steel in construction, copper and silver in brazing rods, and aluminum or magnesium alloy in aircraft. Figure 3 shows the relationship between elements, compounds, and mixtures. Describe matter. Matter is defined as anything that occupies space and has a measurable weight or mass. Matter commonly exists in one of three forms or states, solid, liquid, and gas. Solids have particles, ions, atoms, or molecules that are closely packed together. The forces between particles are strong so that the particles cannot move freely but can only vibrate. As a result, solids have a stable, definite shape and definite volume. 
Solids can only change their shape by force as when being broken or cut. A liquid is a nearly incompressible fluid that conforms to the shape of its container but retains a nearly constant volume independent of pressure. The volume is definite if the temperature and pressure are constant. Gases are compressible fluids. Not only will a gas conform to the shape of its container, but it will also expand to fill the container. Density. Density is the ratio of a mass to volume or the ratio of a weight to a volume. Density compares the masses of equal volumes of different kinds of matter. In the metric system, mass density is found by using the following equation. Metric density equals mass divided by volume, or D equals M divided by V. The most common units of mass density are kilograms per cubic meter and grams per cubic centimeter. In the imperial system of measurements, we find weight density using the following equation. Density equals weight divided by volume. The most common weight densities used are pound per cubic foot and pounds per cubic inch. The density values for a variety of materials are shown in figure one. Comparing densities demonstrates that some substances weigh more than others do, even though they all take up the same amount of space. Specific gravity, weight. Specific gravity, sometimes called relative density, or sometimes called relative density, particularly when referring to gases, is closely related to density. Specific gravity is considered to be the ratio of the density of a substance to the density of a reference substance. For liquids and solids, the reference substance is water, and for gases, the reference substance is air. Therefore, water and air have both been assigned a specific gravity of 1. Therefore, water has been assigned a specific gravity of 1, and air assigned a relative density of 1. Specific gravities are used in industry as a means of obtaining information about the concentration of solutions of various materials, such as brines, hydrocarbons, and glycol solutions. The specific gravity of a solid or liquid tells you how heavy the object is compared to an equal volume of water. A material with a specific gravity less than one will float on water, while a material with a specific gravity more than one will sink in water. As well, a gas with a relative density less than one will rise in the atmosphere, while gas with a relative density of more than one will sink. For example, the specific gravity of aluminum is found by dividing either the mass density of aluminum by the mass density of water, or by dividing the weight density of aluminum by the weight density of water. The answers are the same in both cases as a specific number is merely a ratio comparing densities. Metric calculation. Specific gravity equals mass density of a substance divided by mass density of water. Specific gravity of aluminum equals 2,700 kilograms per cubic meter divided by 1,000 kilograms per cubic meter. Specific gravity of aluminum equals 2.7. Imperial calculation. Specific gravity equals weight density of a substance divided by weight density of water. Specific gravity of aluminum equals 170 pounds per cubic foot divided by 62.4 pounds per cubic foot. Specific gravity of aluminum equals 2.7. Specific gravity is a unitless number or ratio comparing same units. When divided as above, the units cancel out. It is interesting to note that the specific gravity of any material that will float in water 
tells you what percentage of the volume will be submerged below the waterline. For example, if a pine log, specific gravity of pine equals 0.37, is floating on a body of water, it will have only 37% of its volume submerged. If the specific gravity or SG of a substance is known, it can be used to find the density of a solid or liquid by multiplying the SG times the density of an equal volume of water. Adhesion and cohesion. The state a substance is in, solid, liquid, or gas, is determined by the spacing and motion of the individual molecules. The spacing among the molecules is determined by several attracting forces. Cohesive forces. Solids consist of molecules that are strongly attracted to one another. This mutual molecular attraction, called cohesive force, limits the space around individual molecules and creates a closely packed situation that allows solids to hold definite shapes. Cohesive forces in solids can be extremely strong. For example, a mass of several thousand kilograms can be suspended from a steel rod one centimeter in diameter without causing the molecules in the rod to separate. This is due to steel's high rate of cohesion. Gas molecules exhibit little cohesion. Individual molecules are, relatively speaking, widely separate. Indeed, under certain standard conditions, the distance between molecules in a gas can be more than 10 times greater than the diameter of a single molecule. The lack of cohesion allows a gas to diffuse or expand quickly and broadly. If not confined, a gas has almost unlimited expandability. For example, a cubic centimeter of water has a mass of one gram. When the single gram of water is vaporized, the resulting steam contains the same number of water molecules as were present in the liquid form, but can occupy a space of several thousand cubic centimeters. Liquids are also composed of tightly packed molecules, but the cohesive force is not as great as that found in solids. This reduction in intermolecular force allows some molecules to slip over other molecules. Molecular slippage allows liquids to flow. Adhesive forces. The similar molecules often exhibit a force of attraction similar to cohesion. The intermolecular force acting between dissimilar molecules is called the adhesive force. The adhesive force between unlike molecules allows water to cling to the walls of glass, allows paint to stick to wood, oil to lubricate bearings, etc. Sometimes a substance has an adhesive capability that exceeds its cohesiveness. This is true of many types of glue used in the furniture industry. A thin layer of glue creates a stronger bond between two pieces of wood than a thick layer of glue because the cohesive force between glue molecules is less than the adhesive force between glue molecules with wood molecules. The vast majority of work done by individuals employed in the pipe trades involves the transportation of fluids through pipelines. It is important that a pipe tradesman have a good understanding of how fluids react with each other in addition to good knowledge of the piping system they are being conveyed in. The behavior of fluids within a piping system demonstrates these characteristics. Adhesion is the force that occurs between a liquid and the piping material that contains it. This adhesion causes a layer of molecules to bond tightly to the pipe's inner surface. Cohesion is the attractive force that occurs between the fluid molecules and causes them to hold together. To illustrate these forces in a pipe, figure 5 shows a water column flow profile viewed from the side. The water column moves as a series of concentric layers, some of which may be just a few molecules thick. 
The outer layer, which is in contact with the surface of the pipe, does not move at all, while the one in the very center of the pipe moves at the highest velocity. This illustrates that the adhesive forces between the water and the pipe are stronger than the cohesive forces between the water molecules. Tensile strength. Several properties of solids depend on the cohesive force between the molecules. One of these properties is tensile strength. Tensile strength measures the force required to pull something, such as a rope, wire, or structural beam, to the point where it breaks. The tensile strength of a material is the maximum amount of tensile stress that can be applied before failure occurs. If two metal rods of the same diameter, one copper and one steel, are placed in the tensile testing machine shown in figure 6, it will be found that a greater force must be exerted to break or pull apart the steel rod than that required to break or pull apart copper. Steel, therefore, has a higher tensile strength. The tensile strength of a material is defined as the force needed to break a rod or wire of that material having a unit cross-sectional area of either one square inch or one square centimeter. The tensile strength of mild steel pipe, for example, is 60,000 psi. Tensile strength tests are performed for several reasons. The results of tensile strength tests are useful in selecting materials for engineering applications. Tensile properties frequently are included in material specifications to ensure quality. Tensile properties often are measured during development of new materials so that different materials can be compared under different forms of loading. Ductility. Ductility is the ability of material to be drawn out into thin wires or flat sheets without pulling apart or breaking. Ductility allows a material to maintain its form shape while under tensile stress. The finer the wire produced, the more ductile the material is. This is a desirable quality, especially in metals. Many manufacturers want materials that will not break even when thin pieces are required. When the ductility of a material needs to be determined, a commonly used method is the bend test. The ductility test or bend test is a very common test for welded joints, piping products, and reinforcing or rebar materials. Malleability. While ductility is the property of a material to strain without rupturing under tension, malleability describes the ability to do so under compression. The most typical example given is that a malleable material can be hammered or rolled into thin and flat sheets without tearing. Most malleable materials are also ductile, though lead is one exception. Gold leaf and aluminum foil are common products demonstrating high malleability. Elasticity. Elasticity is the ability of a material to return to its original dimensions after it has been subjected to a force. All solids have some elasticity. However, the term elastic is used to describe a substance that quickly resumes its original shape when the deforming force is removed. The maximum force or stress that a solid can withstand and still snap back to its original shape and so not be permanently deformed is called the elastic limit. The elastic limit is not the material's breaking point, although the object may or may not be far from breaking. Brittle materials, such as glass and cast iron, break at or close to their elastic limit. Other materials, notably most metals, can be flatted or shaped along after the elastic limit is reached, particularly if they are heated. Conductivity 
Conductivity refers to the ability of a material to transfer energy from one place to another. Thermal conductivity describes a substance's ability to transmit heat, while electrical conductivity describes a substance's ability to transmit electrical current. Thermal conductivity. Heat transfer occurs at a higher rate across materials of high thermal conductivity than across materials of low thermal conductivity. The reciprocal of thermal conductivity is thermal resistance. Thermal resistance is a measure of a material's ability to resist heat transfer. The more a material is able to block heat transfer through its surface, the greater its thermal resistance. This concept is often applied to the building industry as a measure of insulation effectiveness and energy efficiency. As thermal insulation is added to the building to improve efficiency levels, the thermal resistance of the structure increases. Throughout most of the world, R value is used to measure thermal resistance. The higher the R value of a material, the better it is able to resist heat transfer. The lower the R value, the easier it is for heat to pass through the material's surface. Electrical conductivity. Electrical conductivity is a property that describes how well a material allows electrical current to flow through it. Examples of metals that have a high electrical conductivity include gold, silver, copper, aluminum, and steel. Copper and aluminum are the most common materials used in electrical wires. Interestingly, most thermal conductors are good electrical conductors. Another important property that is measured in electrical systems is electrical resistance, which is measured in units called ohms. Resistance in electrical terms describes the forces that oppose the flow of electrical current in a conductor. Certain materials that are low in electrical conductivity are termed electrical insulators. Good insulators have high resistance. Ohm's law describes the relationship of current flowing through a resistance when a different electrical potential voltage is applied at each end of the resistance. A comparison would be to imagine water flowing through a pipe. Voltage would be the water's pressure, current or amps would be the amount of water flowing through the pipe, and resistance is similar to the friction incurred due to the size of the pipe. More water will flow through the pipe, current, as more pressure is applied, voltage. Resistance would also change as the pipe sizes change, thereby increasing or decreasing flow accordingly. Use Mathematics and Science, Section 12. Use Pascal's Theory of Pressure and Force. Blaise Pascal was a noted French mathematician who discovered that a closed container of fluid could be used to transfer force from one place to another or to multiply force by its transmission through a fluid. This seemingly innocuous principle led to the development of the hydraulic press and the science of modern hydraulics, the mechanical properties and use of liquids. In honor of his discovery, the units of pressure measurement used in the metric system are called Pascal's, and we describe hydraulics using Pascal's law. According to Pascal's law, any force applied to a confined fluid is transmitted in all directions through the fluid regardless of the shape of the container. To understand how Pascal's law applies to hydraulics, imagine an enclosed fluid as in figure 1. The enclosure has two movable pistons. Now imagine that piston A has a cross-sectional area of 1 inch squared, and piston B has a cross-sectional area of 100 inches squared. 
the one pound ball pushes piston A into the fluid, this force results in a pressure of one pound per square inch or one PSI. This pressure is transmitted through the enclosure to piston B. This one PSI pressure is applied to the bottom of piston B, which has an area of 100 square inches. This pressure acting against the 100 square inch area develops 100 pounds of force, which suspends the 100 pound ball at the same height. As stated earlier, Pascal's law is independent of the shape of the container. It is not necessary that the tube connecting the two pistons should be the full area of the pistons. A connection of any size, shape, or length will do so long as an unobstructed passage is provided. This principle allows large forces to be generated with relatively little effort. Large pieces of earth-moving equipment, for example, use hydraulics to exert large forces on the earth or boulders being moved. Hydraulic devices all depend on Pascal's law and the relationship among pressure, force, and area. Pressure, force, and area. There is a mathematical relationship between pressure, force, and area. To understand this relationship, study the formulas below to see how the factors interact with each other. Force equals pressure times area. Pressure equals force divided by area. Area equals force divided by pressure. The triangle shown in figure 2 is a convenient memory device for the force area pressure formulas. Because force is above the line in the triangle, it reminds you that in both formulas indicating division, force is always divided by one of the other two factors. The units of force. Force is a quantity measured using the standard metric unit Newton. The term Newton is abbreviated as the letter N in most formulas. 10 newtons would present 10 newtons of force. One newton is the amount of force required to give a one kilogram mass an acceleration of one meter per second squared. In the imperial system, the term pound denotes a unit of force. The imperial unit of mass is a slug, which is not commonly used. The units of pressure. Pressure is defined as force divided by the area over which the force is evenly distributed. Since liquids and gases are fluids, they exert pressure on their containers evenly. The metric system measures pressure in newtons, or force per square meter, area. These pressure units are called pascals. Pascals are such small units of pressure that it is more common to actually use units like kilopascals or megapascals, which are 1,000 and 1 million pascals respectively. Also found in the metric system is the bar. That unit is not approved by the International System of Units, SI, but is recognized in the European Union and is equal to 100 kilopascals or approximately 14.5 PSIG. In the imperial system, pressure is commonly measured in units of pounds per square inch, PSI, or pounds per square foot, PSF, pounds per square inch, PSI, pounds per square foot, PSF, or ounces per square inch, OSI. Remember that there are three distinct types of pressure, each described by specific units as follows. Absolute pressure is the actual pressure of a fluid with respect to a perfect vacuum. Absolute pressure is gauge pressure plus atmospheric pressure. Gauge pressure is the fluid pressure with respect to the atmospheric pressure outside its container. Gauge pressure does not include atmospheric pressure. Differential pressure is the difference between any two pressures. 
Notice that gauge pressure is actually a differential pressure between absolute pressure and atmospheric pressure. Metric system does not distinguish between absolute and gauge pressure. Therefore, it is always necessary to spell it out as KPA, ABS, KPA gauge, and perhaps KPA diff. In the imperial system, the abbreviations PSIG, PSIA, and PSID clearly describe the pressure type intended. The units of area. Depending on what system you are working in, area is measured in units of square inch, square foot, square centimeter, square meter. Elements of hydrostatics. Pressure in a liquid. As the name suggests, hydrostatics is that branch of physics concerned with the properties of water at rest. Is particularly concerned with how pressure is transmitted through fluids in closed and open containers. The basic principles of hydrostatics are as follows. Fluid pressure is exerted in all directions. The shape of the vessel does not affect fluid pressure. Fluid pressure is proportional to the depth below the surface. Fluid pressure is proportional to density. Horizontal runs do not increase pressure. The volume of fluid does not affect pressure. Let us examine each of these principles in more detail. Fluid pressure is exerted in all directions. The pressure a fluid exerts on an object is applied in all directions. That is because the particles that make up the fluid can move in any direction. These particles exert forces as they bump into objects in the fluid. Figure 3 shows how water exerts pressure on a swimmer who is underwater. Notice that the arrows point in different directions. That is because the water is pressing all around the swimmer, not just from above. The shape of the vessel does not affect fluid pressure. Fluids will conform to the shape of the container that they are placed into, and because of that, they will exert pressure outward against the container. The pressure increases as more fluid is added and is greater toward the bottom of the container where the weight of the liquid has the most effect. In terms of fluid dynamics, Gases can also be considered fluids in terms of their effects on containers, since they also conform to the container and exert pressure in the same way as liquids. Fluid pressure is proportional to depth below the surface. The force of gravity pulls fluids downward. Because any given volume has a certain weight, this weight pushes downward on whatever is below it. Fluid pressure is a result of the weight of all the fluid above pushing down on the fluid below. As you go deeper, there is a greater weight pushing down. This is the reason water pressure increases with depth. The pressure depends only upon the depth and is the same anywhere at a given depth and in every direction. Water has a density of 62.4 pounds per cubic foot. As the depth increases, the pressure exerted on the sides of the vessel will increase by 0.433 psi per foot. Fluid pressure is proportional to density. Another factor that changes pressure is the density of the liquid. This can be expressed as follows. Pressure equals height in feet times density per foot depth. Horizontal runs do not increase pressure. As pressure is exerted equally in all directions, horizontal runs cannot affect pressure. Only a change in the vertical component will change the pressure at the base of a liquid-filled piping arrangement. The volume of fluid does not affect pressure. So far, we have discussed that the only two factors that affect pressure are the height and density of the fluid. 
Therefore, the total volume of the fluid does not affect pressure. This pressure always references a specific area. In figure six, storage tank number one contains a greater volume of fluid than tank number two, but the pressure at the base is identical in both tanks. Both gauges read pressure in pounds over one square inch. If the valve that joins the two tanks at the bottom was opened, the fluid from tank number one would not enter into tank number two because fluids always seek their own level. The level in tank number one cannot be different than the level in tank number two. Hydrostatic pressure test. Hydrostatics is a study of fluids under pressure and at rest. When a hydrostatic pressure test is applied on a piping system, the piping is filled with water or other compatible liquid and then pressurized with a pump. To be proficient at this procedure, you must be able to calculate a pressure or to calculate the height of water column needed to produce a certain pressure known as feet of head. As stated previously, water has a density of 62.4 pounds per cubic foot. This means that one cubic foot of water exerts a force of 62.4 pounds on its one square foot base. Because each side of a cubic foot is equal to 144 inches squared, the force of the water is spread equally over all 144 square inches. The result would be 0.433 pounds of water exerting a force on each square inch of bottom surface. 62.4 pounds divided by 144 inches squared equals 0.433 pounds per inch squared, or PSI, or 0.0361 pounds per inch cubed times 12 equals 0.433 pounds per square inch, or PSI. The base area of the one-foot-high column of water in figure 7 is exactly one square inch. Thus, the pressure on the base of the column would be 0.433 PSI. This is referred to as one foot of head pressure. Water pressure, or PSI, equals 0.433 PSI per foot, times height in feet. Calculating total force. Force is defined as any interaction that tends to change or influence the motion of an object. Previously, we were calculating the pressure on a single unit of area, inches squared, feet squared, or centimeters squared. This was the force pushing down on a defined unit's area. The total force the liquid is exerting is equal to the pressure times the total area. Force equals pressure times area. Use Mathematics and Science Section 13 Use Archimedes' Principle of Displacement and Flotation Archimedes' Principle of Displacement The best-known result of Archimedes' work on hydrostatics was his discovery that a submerged, irregular-shaped object displaces a volume of water equal to the volume of the object. Archimedes used his discovery to prove that the goldsmith of the King of Syracuse had adulterated a gold crown with silver. Archimedes realized that he could check the density of the crown, knowing that he could measure its volume accurately. The story goes that the crown was proven to be impure and that the unfortunate goldsmith was executed. Applications of Displacement Commonly called water displacement, 
The volume of displaced fluid is equivalent to the volume of an object fully immersed in a fluid, or if an object is only partially submerged, that fraction of the volume below the surface. Several methods of such measurements exist. In one method, the increase of water level is recorded as the object is immersed into the water. In the second method, the object is immersed into a vessel full of water, causing it to overflow. Then the overflow is collected and its volume is measured. Archimedes' principle of flotation, buoyancy. Any object wholly or partly immersed in a fluid is buoyed up by a force equal to the weight of the fluid displaced by the object. Archimedes' principle of flotation may also be stated as a body immersed in a fluid loses as much weight as the weight of the fluid it displaces. Objects denser than water, even though they sink readily, lose part of their weight when submerged. For example, a man can lift a larger stone underwater than he can possibly lift in air because the buoyant force of the water lifts part of the weight. The upward force, which any liquid exerts upon a body submerged in it, is called buoyancy. The force exerted by liquids on objects submerged in them and the apparent weight loss that the object undergoes were the subject of much study by Archimedes. Archimedes' principle works for any fluid, but for our purposes we will discuss fresh water, which has a density of 62.4 pounds per cubic foot, or 1,000 kilograms per cubic meter. Finding Specific Gravities of Liquids a hydrometer is an instrument used to measure the specific gravity or relative density of liquids. That is, the ratio of the density of the liquid to the density of water. Operation of the hydrometer is based on Archimedes' principle that a solid suspended in a fluid will be buoyed up by a force equal to the weight of the fluid displaced by the submerged part of the suspended solid. Thus, the lower the density of the substance, the farther the hydrometer will sink. A hydrometer is usually made of glass and consists of a cylindrical stem and a bulb weighted with mercury or lead shot to make it float upright. Liquid to be tested is poured into a tall container, often a graduated cylinder, and the hydrometer is gently lowered into the liquid of unknown specific gravity until it floats freely. The hydrometer sinks until the weight of unknown liquid displaced equals the weight of the hydrometer. The hydrometer must sink deeper in liquids of lesser density, therefore the larger numbers are at the bottom and smaller numbers are at the top of the scale. The point at which the surface of the liquid touches the stem of the hydrometer is noted. Hydrometers usually contain a scale inside the stem so that the specific gravity can be read directly. A variety of scales are available depending on the application. Hydrometers may be calibrated for different uses such as lactometer for measuring the density of milk, a saccharometer for measuring the density of sugar in a liquid, or an alcohol meter for measuring higher levels of alcohol in spirits.